I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. We begin with futures pointing to a slightly higher open after Wall Street did something for the first time since October. Hear why Tom Lee says it's a good sign for your money. Also, earnings season kicking into high gear as investors brace for a very big week of results. We're talking names like Tesla, Goldman Sachs, and Netflix all ahead this week. Stand by for a preview. And appearing a distant second in the AI domination race, Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai goes on the record on the future of the technology and what Google hopes to do. Plus, a merger Monday shaping up in the red-hot biotech space just to the tune of under $11 billion. Then later on in the show, Elon Musk and SpaceX set to make history with a very special test flight today that could pave the way for a road back to the moon and even Mars. It's Monday. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Collin. Thanks for joining us this morning. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. As we mentioned, U.S. stock futures very slightly higher this morning, just fractionally higher for the S&P, the Nasdaq and the Dow. This after a modestly higher week last week that saw the Dow, the Dow log its fourth straight winning week in a row as long as such streaks since October. We're also checking the bond market as we always do this morning. We're seeing bonds pretty much hold steady for the entire month. Right now, the 10-year note at 3.51. However, on the two-year, we're seeing the yield climb back above 4%. We've seen it fluctuate to just under 4%, just over 4% now at 4.116. We're also watching energy. Oil coming off another 2% gain last week. It's fourth positive week in a row and its longest weekly win streak since June. We're also watching the crypto markets this morning. We're seeing Bitcoin and Ether this morning making some different moves right now. So Bitcoin under 30,000 now, down 2%. Ether actually down this morning, down about a percent and a half this morning. However, making a double-digit move to the upside over recent days after that so-called Shanghai update. We're also keeping a close eye on a few big money movers this morning, including Prometheus Biosciences, Alphabet, and Fox. The last one on that list, Fox, is getting its day in court pushed back one day as it looks to settle a defamation lawsuit with Dominion Voting Systems. Much more on that and other stocks to watch coming up later in the show. And we cannot forget about J.P. Morgan. Looking at shares of the big bank this morning, we're seeing them this morning uh, up fractionally, pretty much flat. But this comes after a big day on Friday. Shares up almost 8 percent after it saw its biggest post-earnings upside move in more than 20 years, according to Bespoke. All right, we're going to turn our attention now. Back to the AI race that we teased just a bit earlier. Q1 earnings season kicking off in full first this week with 12% of the S&P 500 and 20% of the Dow set to report. Among the big names on the docket, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Johnson & Johnson, IBM, and so many more. But it's not just the blue chips. Major investor attention also on big tech. And I misspoke. We're talking big tech, not AI. We're bringing in, uh, we're talking Netflix and Tesla, both of them up uh, fractionally higher this morning. Actually, Tesla up three quarters of a percent. But with much more on this, I'm bringing in Arjun Kapal. He joins us with a preview of these big earnings. Arjun, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Let's kick off then with Netflix. The market expecting care revenue of about 8.17 billion U.S. dollars, up around 3.9% year on year. But that's pretty slow 
for a Q1 for Netflix market. Also expecting pretty flat EPS growth. Two key themes for Netflix. The first uh, is that this is the first quarter we'll fully see the impact of their new $6.99 ad-supported tier. Questions here, is this cannibalizing those users who may be paying for those premium, more premium plans, or is this actually being a boost to subscriber numbers? Those are the questions Wall Street's going to be asking. Secondly, password sharing. Netflix has vowed to crack down on password sharing. The investor's going to be looking for updates on how that's going and whether that's uh, managed to help Netflix grow this added subscriber numbers. Now let's move on to Tesla, Elon Musk's automaker, the electric car maker. So the market here expecting revenue of about 23.3 billion US dollars, up around 24% year on year. But this is the figure here uh, that's in focus. The earnings per share, 86 cents, is expected to fall around 20% year on year. And that's because of the price cuts Tesla's enacted across the world from its key China market over to the US here. And the market's going to be seeing, one, how much pressure that is put on profitability and on margins, but also has this actually led to a shares uh, a jump in sales? And that's the key here for Tesla. They're trying to gain market share in the EV market, but at the same time, balance this profitability in what is becoming a very difficult and uncertain macro environment and a, a, a market right now in the EV space that is incredibly competitive with traditional automakers jumping in on the space, but also startups in places like China with the likes of Neo, BYD and Xpeng as well. And of course, that China demand story very much going to be in focus. And finally, market will be watching uh, on updates on production figures. Elon Musk has signaled about 1.8 million cars will be made this year. Uh, are they on track for that? And of course, what is the company expecting for deliveries going forward? These are some of the questions investors are going to be laser focused on this week, Frank. Yeah, Arjun, a lot of questions. We're going to get some answers later on this week. Our Arjun Kapal live in London. Thank you, Arjun, as always. All right, we want to stick with earnings now. According to Refinitiv, S&P 500 earnings are expected to fall by 5.2%, marking the first earnings recession since 2020 and the second straight quarter of earnings contractions. On the revenue front, S&P 500 companies are expecting just a 1.6% rise. That is the slowest growth since the third quarter of 2020. Joining me now to discuss, Josh Wine, Hennessy Funds Portfolio Manager. Josh, great to have you here. Good to be with you, Frank. All right. So, Josh, we are seeing a lot of negative sentiment, at least verbally out here. A lot of people are kind of down on the markets, especially after that banking collapse. But now we just had big bank earnings that really surprised to the upside. And I want to show the viewers something right now. This is the VIX since March 10th when we saw the Silicon Valley Bank collapse. It's actually declined by about 20 percent since then. So rationalize all this for me. If the VIX is down and but verbally people are really negative, what does that mean about the future direction of the markets? Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I've, I've looked at realized volatility, which is kind of what's actually happening instead of what is in, obviously what's implied in in, uh, in options contracts. And it's yeah, it's come down quite significantly, kind of bottoming out where it tends to bottom around 14 or 15 percent. And I think that, you know, the market is taking things in stride. We took these bank failures in stride and we're taking in stride an earnings season that will be less than than spectacular. So, yeah, I think it's a good setup. I think that investors aren't you know, aren't too scared about what's to come. I mean, I think we certainly see a slowing economy and, and we've seen a, a rough stock market over the last you know year or so. So I think it's I think it's good. I think there aren't a lot of expectations built in. I think people are kind of fearing the worst. So a lot of people believe that the banking crisis has now become a bit of a double edged sword. We heard Jamie Dimon saying it could lead, uh, you know, we could see more uh, collapses of banks if rates rise. At the same time, we hear Janet Yellen saying the banking collapse might lead to less rate hikes. 
So where are right. you at in this camp? Where do you think this all settles out in? And is it a rate pause or a cut? Is that a sign for the markets just to go full steam ahead and take off? Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, Secretary Yellen's comments, because it makes sense. I mean, I think the potential retrenchment and credit availability will certainly effectively be the same thing as a rate hike or two. I think, you know, the market is certainly pricing in. I think there's a pretty much an even chance of a rate hike, uh, I believe, in May. I, I don't I think that's what will happen. I think what should happen is, is really a pause and, and maybe taking some time off, seeing what happens. I think on in, you know, inflation measures have not come down quite as much as I think certainly I had thought they would. Uh, it's been a slow, very slow, steady slog. I think taking a meeting off, seeing where things are, and then maybe signaling that they will make up for lost time if numbers don't go in the right direction would be the way to go. Uh, it seems like the market now that it's calmed down certainly is looking for a rate hike. Okay. And then it's pretty much a very minimal chance of another hike. And then we're looking at rate cuts. So I think that's what's the market is looking at kind of three to six months out. All right, Josh Wan of Hennessy Funds, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks, Frank. All right, I was going to check on this morning's top corporate stories, including some new comments from Sundar Pichai on Google's efforts on AI. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Frank. Good morning to you. It's all about AI, right? So Google is reportedly building an all-new search engine powered by artificial intelligence with plans to roll it out to 30 million people by the end of this year. Now, according to the New York Times, the company sprung into action earlier this year after learning that Samsung is considering replacing Google with Microsoft's AI-powered Bing as the default search engine on its devices. The report comes amid new comments from Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai telling CBS's 60 Minutes his thoughts on the new technology. Do you think society is prepared for what's coming? On one hand, uh, I feel no, uh, because, you know, the pace at which we can think and adapt as societal institutions compared to the pace at which the technology is evolving, there seems to be a mismatch. On the other hand, compared to any other technology, I've seen more people worried about it earlier in its life cycle. So I feel optimistic. And watching shares of Merck, the company agreeing to buy Prometheus Biosciences for $10.8 billion as it pushes into the lucrative market for immune disease treatments. The price represents about a 75 percent premium to where Prometheus shares closed on Friday. And the deal is scheduled to close in the third quarter of this year. And global regulators are reportedly considering imposing tougher rules on smaller banks to ready themselves for faster runs on deposits. According to the Financial Times, the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision promised in March to examine if additional rules were needed to prevent another string of bank collapses, Frank. Yeah, certainly something to watch there, yeah. Savannah. Uh, Savannah, we'll see you later on the show. That's Thank you very much. All right, much more to come ahead on this hour of Worldwide Exchange, including the single word that investors need to know today. Also, RBC Capital Markets' Halima Croft is here. She's digging into a key global hotspot in the Middle East and what it means for one of OPEC's biggest crude producers. Plus, banks are in sharp focus this earnings season following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. But our Dom Chu is here to break down why not all regional banks were impacted equally. And then later, forget customer concerns, why Tesla is now dealing with disgruntled workers at one of its largest gigafactories in the world. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns.
All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We're checking in on our top global hotspots. That's areas around the world where tensions are rising and, and could potentially impact the markets and your money. First up is France, where President Emmanuel Macron's very controversial plan to raise the country's retirement age was signed into law this weekend. France's, France's top labor unions vowing to keep fighting the changes, calling for another mass protest on May 1st. Next, the Taiwan Strait, the U.S. Navy sailing a warship through that waterway yesterday after China conducted military drills in retaliation for Taiwan's president meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in California this month. The Navy says the maneuver was routine. And third, the Middle East, the International Red Cross says Saudi Arabia will release more than 100 detainees to Yemen today. Yemen's conflict has widely been seen as a proxy between, in the war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. All right. Last month, Saudi Arabia and Iran agreed to restore diplomatic ties in a deal brokered by China. The Saudis are also looking to renew relations with the Palestinian group Hamas and bring Syria back into the Arab fold. It's all part of a drive by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to showcase his diplomatic clout as China and Russia challenge the U.S. for their influence in the Middle East. Let's talk more about this with Halima Croft, Global Head of Commodity Strategy and Middle East and North Africa Research at RBC Capital Markets. She's also a CNBC contributor. Halima, always great to see you. Thank you for having me. All right, Halima. So let's start off with, you, you know, your, your core thing here, oil prices. They've risen about 8% since we saw that OPEC price cut. We just mentioned a lot of the political maneuvering in the Middle East and China's growing influence. What does this all mean for oil prices and the oil market? Well, I think one of the key reasons that Saudi Arabia wanted to strike this deal with Iran brokered by China is they are very focused on securing the diplomatic situation in the region. Remember 2019, there was that attack on the Abcake facility, the world's largest oil processing facility. Cruise missiles, drones took out half of Saudi's production overnight. The Saudis are very clear. They want a stable security environment in their region so they can push forward with Vision 2030, that all-important development program aimed at creating millions of jobs for Saudis, massive infrastructure build-out. What underpins Vision 2030? Oil prices. So I think from the Saudi standpoint, it's all focused on executing on this Vision 2030 plan. They do not want a security crisis in the region, and they want to have the funding mechanism available to ensure they can deliver on that program. All right. So, Halima, you're mentioning some of these plans to diversify the Saudi Arabian economy. We also had that deal with China and Aramco to build that petrochemical factory, uh, about a $12 billion deal. We're seeing a growing influence of China in the Middle East. What does that mean for the U.S. interest in the Middle East and, again, for the oil market? I mean, absolutely. I've made several trips to the region this year, and my biggest takeaway is the focus is on the east. They very much see Beijing now as the preferred partner. Yes, they still see the United States as a partner. But again, they see China as the most important relationship when it comes to trade, increasingly when it comes to diplomacy. Again, I think they believe it was very important that China brokered that deal with Iran. So when you want to look at you know, the Saudi investments in China. I think it's also about ensuring that that will be their market for oil. They do not want to cede market share even to a country like Russia. So I do think they're looking out for their own economic self-interest. And again, I think they believe China is a type of partner they want to work with. All right. So, Halima, over the weekend, we also got news that MBS is transferring a 4% stake of oil giant Aramco into a unit of the kingdom's sovereign wealth fund. It's a move that comes as the Saudis. They're really reaping the benefits of a surge in energy prices. 
What does this mean going forward, not only for the oil market, but also for the U.S. Uh, markets and economy? Um, you know, the Sovereign Wealth Fund for Saudi Arabia actually invests in a lot of U.S. companies in the VC and the PE space, including Apollo, uh, Andreessen Horowitz and other, you know, bold faced names in the tech space. Yes. I mean, what we've really seen is we've seen this sort of migration of, you know, big U.S. CEOs to Saudi Arabia. Remember the FII conference in October? The White House was not keen for people to go after the Saudis and OPEC made that decision to cut production. And yet American business leaders made the trip to Saudi Arabia. They're very focused on accessing this growing sovereign wealth fund. And the PIF getting a, you know, more Ramco shares, that's about their ambition to make this the world's largest sovereign wealth fund. They want to have it over a trillion dollars in assets. And so I think this is, again, going to be an interesting point of contention sometimes with the White House. When the White House wants the Saudis to come in and essentially raise production to lower prices, they look at oil and they say, look, we have to think about what does oil do in terms of our development plans, our ambitions to grow our sovereign wealth fund. We talk about now the Saudi first policy. They're very much looking at oil through the lens of what works for their own economic ambitions. All right, Helene McCroft of RBC Capital Markets. Always great to have you on. Thank you for your insight. Thank you. All right, ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, the end of the line for an iconic Broadway show. Universal scores a big hit at the box office, and it turns out there is a best state to live in if you work from home. We have your top trending stories coming up right after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We have a market flash for you now. We're watching shares of XPeng popping in the pre-market, trading about 11% higher. The Chinese EV maker unveiling a new platform for in-house vehicle production as it looks to reduce development and manufacturing costs for its upcoming models. XPeng's president says the new platform will reduce battery costs by 25% and intelligent driving system expenses by 50% by the end of 2024. This amid its ongoing price war in China with who else but Tesla. We're asking to check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the very latest. Francis, good morning. Hi, Frank. Good Monday morning, too. We start with evacuation orders that have finally been lifted in Richmond, Indiana. Residents were given the all-clear to go home late Sunday, more than five days after a massive fire broke out at a plastics recycling center. But the danger hasn't completely passed. The EPA is warning people not to handle or remove any debris because asbestos has been found in some samples, which can cause several types of cancer. The agency says residents should report any debris so they can have it professionally removed. Authorities in Mexico say a child and six adults are dead after gunmen opened fire at a resort on Saturday. One other person was injured. The owner of the resort in Cortazar told police the shooters destroyed a shop on the premises and took security cameras before leaving. Local police were given helicopter support by the state to search for the gunman. For years, Cortazar has been one of Mexico's most dangerous states. Over 14 million adults in the U.S. who are on Medicaid are now at risk of losing their dental coverage. The public health emergency for COVID-19, originally enacted in 2020, included a rule that protected millions from losing their access to Medicaid during the pandemic. But states are now able to review Medicaid recipients' eligibility following the end of the public health emergency on April 1st. According to data from the think tank CareQuest Institute for Oral Health, the five states facing the biggest drop in Medicaid coverage are Hawaii, Wyoming, Indiana, Florida, and Illinois. 
fans of the reality Netflix series Love is Blind were frantic Sunday night as a live stream of the season four reunion just wasn't working. The show features couples that proposed before ever seeing each other. And while it was meant to broadcast by 8 p.m., it didn't air until over an hour later. This reunion was only the second live show in Netflix's history. So a lot of little bugs they had to work out clearly there, Frank. But you can imagine at first people are like checking their Wi-Fi, resetting their routers, checking their whole Netflix accounts, thinking something wrong. Eh, it was Netflix. Prince, I got to be honest. I understood all that panic at the end of the Sopranos finale when it just went black. That made sense. <laughs> I think everybody can wait a little bit for the Love is Blind live stream finale, whatever it is. I'm, I'm not trying to diss it, but I think we'll all be I'm okay. with you. I'm with, but you know, these reunion shows are the most dramatic. So they're waiting for the drama and everything to explode during that. But So I get it. But I'm with you when it comes. I'm still trying to figure out the Sopranos too, right, as we all are. <laughs> me and you both. Me and you. Francis Rivera, live in New York. Thank you very much. All right. Straight ahead here on WEX, Fox's day in court is delayed in what is likely to be a historic test of First Amendment limits. Plus, Elon Musk and SpaceX gearing up for a very special test flight today that could pave the way for a road back to the moon, and maybe even Mars. And if you haven't, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Worldwide Exchange, we'll be right back. It is right around 5.30 a.m. In, in the New York City area, and we're just getting started here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Investors gearing up for earnings season to ramp up with more than 10% of the S&P 500 out with reports this week. We have Fundstrats. Tom Lee standing by, laying out the bullish case he's seeing for stocks amid those results. And investor attention turning away from the big banks now to the regional firms. We get the name's best position to weather the recent turmoil that has just rocked that sector. And ahead of its quarterly results, Tesla is facing discontent from workers at its largest production facility. While they're speaking out against Elon Musk and the company, it is Monday, April the 17th, tax day here in the U.S. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back. I'm Frank Holland. Let's pick up a half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures right now. Just fractionally higher this morning. We'll continue to watch them this coming after markets had a winning week. They're now notching its fourth straight week of gains. As I mentioned, futures right now fractionally higher. We're also turning to the bond market right now. Looking at the benchmark 10-year yield, we're seeing it at 3.52. We're also seeing the two-year note yield above 4%. We also want to hit oil. Coming off a 2% gain last week, WTI right now trading at just about 82 bucks a barrel, down almost a half a percent. Brent crude at about 86 bucks a barrel, down about a third of a percent. All right, time now to check the action in Asia and the early trade over in Europe. Our Jumana Bersetti is standing by in our London newsroom with more. Jumana, good morning. Morning, Frank. Well, positive sentiment is prevailing. We had a strong handover from Asian equities. Uh, this is following on from the better performance out of Wall Street on Friday. You can see behind me in Europe, pretty much all of these bourses are also trading nicely in the green. Last week, the stock 600 ended up the week 1.7 percentage points. Today, we're up about four-tenths of a percentage point already in trading as well. FTSE 100 in the UK, up about half a percentage point. They're seeing some good gains in the commodities-related sectors, basic resources, taking their cue from what happened in China. Big week ahead in terms of data. We get inflation data, wage data, and the flash PMI. So something to watch out for there. Zetra DAX trading moderately higher, about a tenth of a percentage point. And the Cacahant in France is trading around flat now that the constitutional court has actually allowed Mr. Macron to proceed with that pension reform that we've been talking about over the last couple of months or so. But I want to take your attention to what's been happening in European yields. We saw a mega move for German Bunds on Friday. And you can see here we're trading up at 2.45. We were up 26 basis points 
alone uh, on, on the week uh, last week and about six, seven basis points on Friday. This is the biggest move in yields we've seen since last September. So investors are really repricing in the inflation profile coming out of Europe. Ten-year BTPs in Italy up 4.3. The spread between the two is at 180, so continues to trade pretty much tight. But well, all of these European yields are taking their cue from what's been happening around the world. In general, the movement has been higher. Frank. All right, Jumana, thank you very much. Let's stick with Europe and a developing story there. The Wall Street Journal reporting that European Union lawmakers, they want to give regulators new powers to govern the development of artificial intelligence technology like ChatGPT. The move would reportedly mark the biggest push so far by Western regulators to curb the red-hot AI space. The journal citing an open letter EU lawmakers plan to release today, saying that the rapid pace of AI development now requires a new set of rules that are tailored to the space. All right, time now to get a check on this morning's top corporate stories, including Tesla having some worker trouble overseas. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those headlines. Silvana, good morning again. Hey, Frank, good morning again to you. Well, uh, an experimental cancer vaccine from Moderna and Merck is showing progress in fighting one form of the disease. Results from a mid-stitch trial have shown that mRNA treatment has helped prevent relapse for melanoma patients. The research revealing that nearly 80 percent of high-risk melanoma patients who got the vaccine along with an immunotherapy from Merck were cancer-free after a year and a half. Now that's compared to 62 percent who just received the immunotherapy. The start of Dominion Voting System's defamation trial against Fox News has been delayed. A Delaware court making the decision late yesterday, moving the trial start to tomorrow. Now, it's unclear what was behind the one-day delay. Dominion is accusing Fox News of airing false claims by hosts and guests that Dominion helped rig the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Multiple reports say Fox has made a late push to settle the dispute out of court. And workers at Tesla's Shanghai factory are appealing to Elon Musk to not implement a plan to cut their performance bonuses. According to Reuters, the workers have been taking to social media also appealing to the China's to China citizens. Now, the report says several of the posts also criticized Tesla's handling of a fatal accident at that plant and questioned whether the cuts were tied to that, Frank. All right, Savannah, certainly something to watch. Absolutely. Looking at Tesla stock this morning yeah. up about a half a percent. Savannah now. Thank you very much. You got it. All right. Earnings season. It just rolls on this week. Top of investors radars. Banks, more specifically, the regional banks. Their results coming on the back of last month's turmoil that hammered a number of those financial firms. Our Dom Chu has more on what you need to watch in those reports. There's been immense focus on whether the things that led to the failures of Silicon Valley and signature banks earlier this year would manifest themselves in other banks that are characterized as regional or smaller to mid-sized lenders. Now, investors will get a chance to digest a slew of earnings reports from those smaller banks in the coming weeks. And it started this past Friday when PNC Financial reported its results. Earnings topped estimates on revenues that were characterized as pretty much in line with expectations. Now, there's been a big focus on the deposit basis for these regionals, as some customers at those institutions opted to withdraw their money and put those deposits into bigger banks with higher perceived safety for their money. Now, PNC reported that their deposits actually grew ever so slightly over the past quarter, and CEO Bill Demchek addressed the banking environment post-Silicon Valley and Signature Bank failures. Inside of our company, we really haven't seen any meaningful impacts from the events of the past month. 
our balance sheet remains strong and stable, and we're operating the company in the same way we were at the beginning of March. Even though PNC is characterized as a regional bank, it isn't in the same category of banks that saw the most stress due to the deposit flight or decline in the value of their securities portfolios like others did. Still, PNC's results, its commentary and deposit update provide a way to look at the relative performance of similar banks. Now, amongst the small and medium-sized banks reporting results this week, you got tomorrow. Arizona-based Western Alliance, which has been one of the hardest-hit lenders feeling the effects of the recent bank failures. On Thursday, there's Ohio's Key Corp and Fifth Third Banks, as well as Texas's Comerica and North Carolina's Truist Financial, and then other hard-hit West Coast-based lenders like California's First Republic are the following Monday. Now, expect there to be a lot of scrutiny on those deposit levels and deposit stability, as well as a focus on the health of the balance sheet at any regional lender reporting any results at any point this season. Keep an eye on all of those metrics. Back over to you. All right. Thanks to our Dom Chu for that. Let's dig deeper into what to expect from the bank earnings this week and bring in Christopher McGrady, KBW head of U.S. Bank Research. Christopher, great to have you here. Hey, good morning, Frank. All right. So we just heard our Dom Chu say we're going to look at those deposit levels. You also say that, at least temporarily, the playbook for investing in bank stocks just been thrown out the window. So what are you looking for when it comes to deposit levels and what's the new playbook? Sure. The playbook a month ago, if we back up five, five weeks ago, it was what is the outlook for net interest income, for margins and for loan growth? And we had started to see that dynamic peak in the fourth quarter. And there was a growing expectation that the bank group was at peak earnings. And that was a contributing factor to us downgrading the sector to market weight in December. Now, with the SVB collapse, everything shifted to the balance sheet, deposit levels, liquidity levels and capital levels. And that's what we're looking for this week. All right. So I want to get into some of your picks right now. But first, you actually are recommending a pair trade. So this pair trade involves a global investment bank and also a regional bank. It's USB and PNC. We're going to show a chart of how both of them have performed since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Why are you pairing these two stocks together in a trade? Sure. Our large cap uh, analyst uh, really likes the U.S. Bank Corp. Uh, That stock has sold off. They've got a great diversified business mix with 40% non-interest income. So those revenues are less dependent on what happens to the yield curve. And PNC last week, high quality bank, but really the premium to USB has blown out. And that is the, um, that's the reason for the pair. Okay. Um, so again, we're looking at regional bank earnings this week. One of the big things that we're also looking at is potential regulation from the White House. Why is that concerning for bank investors? And how will that potentially change the amount of tier one capital these banks have to hold? Sure, sure. The banking industry is heavily regulated. We saw increased regulation post uh, the global financial crisis 15 years ago. The Dodd-Frank bill uh, was introduced, and that really tightened the screws. Um, and, and for the most part, that regulation's worked. Um, but what we saw with the SVB collapse is we, we still need to refine regulation. And so what's going to happen, I think, Frank, is we're going to see regulation flow to some of the smaller banks. So not only are all the banks regulated, but some of the rules around capital and liquidity levels that will flow down to companies that were, you know, SVB size, First Republic size, some of these banks that are not the systemically important, but okay. clearly they're important for the um, for the health of the industry. All right, Christopher, before we let you go, what are your picks for the banking sector, specifically the regional banks? Sure. We like uh, you mentioned Western Alliance on the way on the way in. Um, this is a stock that's been cut in half. It's trading at four times earnings. Um, the balance sheet is quite nimble. They've got plenty of uh, liquidity. They've actually paid back all the borrowings that they took down as a precautionary measure. The stock trades at 80% of tangible book. We already know what the deposit levels are for the quarter. They pre-announced they're down $6 billion. 
But what we've learned is from the from the crisis lows in, in early March, deposits have grown. So we're looking to see what the composition of those deposits are. This is a company with a tremendous amount of earnings power and, and a lot of capital flexibility. So that's one of our higher risk, uh, higher reward payoffs. All right, Christopher McGrady, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, tax refunds hitting the lowest levels in a decade. Why that matters. Plus, a new segment we're calling Your Morning Call Sheet. A check on a few of this morning's biggest upgrades and downgrades by firms you know and stocks you likely own. But first, as we had to break, some of your top trending stories. Delaware topping the list of the best places to work from home, according to a new report from WalletHub. The list, which uses a dozen metrics, including Internet speed, cybersecurity, and the average cost of utilities, also favors Utah, Maryland, Connecticut, and New Jersey to round out the top five, with Alaska ranking last on the list. Phantom of the Opera ending its record-breaking 35-year run last night after 13,981 performances. The final show watched by an invitation-only crowd filled with Broadway lovers like Lin-Manuel Miranda and Glenn Close was capped off with a speech from composer Andrew Lloyd Webber with the famous chandelier also getting a final bow. And the Super Mario Brothers movie scoring the best weekend ever for an animated movie in North American theaters with $87 million in ticket sales, making it the biggest box office smash of 2023. The movie facing little major competition this weekend, despite a slew of new releases, and it still has two weekends before Guardians of the Galaxy 3 jumpstarts the summer movie-going season. Worldwide Exchange, a.k.a. Wex, we're back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet, a segment where we check a few of this morning's biggest upgrades and downgrades by firms you know and stocks that you likely own. We're beginning with Jeffries moving Uber to a top pick. It says its deep dive into the ride-sharing giant's profitability shows a path to above-street EBITDA led by faster bookings growth and higher-margin businesses. Next up, UBS initiating coverage of Okta with a buy rating and a price target of $100 per share. The firm says Okta is well-positioned to benefit from continued identity tailwinds. And next, New Street actually downgrading Meta from buy to neutral, but maintaining its price target of $220, saying it sees better opportunities for upside from competitors after Meta's outperformance relative to that group. All right, today is tax day here in the U.S., and if you haven't filed your taxes yet, the clock is ticking. Tomorrow marks the deadline to do so. And if you're expecting a big refund from the government, you may be in for it. Just a bit of a surprise. Our Robert Frank joins us now with a closer look at why tax refunds are falling this year. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Frank. Well, tax refunds running 10 percent below last year's the average refund this year. Now at two thousand nine hundred dollars, that's down from over thirty two hundred dollars last year. In total, the IRS has handed out twenty billion dollars less in total refunds. That is the lowest level in 10 years, according to, to Strategus. Analysts saying that $20 billion drop could add further downward pressure on the economy. Jeffrey's analyst Corey Tarlow writing, quote, We believe lower refunds could be a drag on consumer spending. Walmart recently citing lower refund checks as a possible pressure in its recent investor day. Now, the main reason for this drop is the end of special pandemic tax credits, especially the child tax credit that fell from as high as three thousand six hundred dollars per child during the pandemic now to only two thousand dollars maximum. Now, for many working families, tax refunds are the biggest one time windfalls of the years. The most common use for refunds is paying down debt and fixing up your home. So, Frank, 
Be interesting to see these first quarter results for the Home Depots, the Targets, the Walmarts, the world, where those working families really relied on tax refunds for some of that special one-time spending, whether this starts to impact some of those earnings. Yeah, certainly something to watch. You know, I, was, I did my taxes already, Robert. I don't know about you, but tax season's certainly not over. Is it possible, any chance, this number could get, actually get better? There is a chance, but most people who are getting a refund or expecting a refund from the IRS do their taxes early, as early as possible, typically in January or February. So most of those returns that are getting refunds are already done, very few left to, to, uh, to dole out. The big question on the other side is how much the IRS collects, especially from high-earning taxpayers, and whether that's a shortfall from the IRS perspective, which, of course, could impact the debt ceiling and all kinds of fiscal initiatives. All right, our Robert Frank with the latest on tax day here in the U.S. Thank you very much. Coming up here on WAX, the word every investor needs to know today. Fundstrat's Tom Lee lays out the busy trading week ahead and the technical signals on whether a new bull market is taking shape. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. WAX will be right back after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for what we like to call your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. We begin with Google reportedly building an all-new search engine powered by artificial intelligence with plans to roll it out to 30 million people by the end of this year. According to the New York Times, the company sprung into action earlier this year after learning that Samsung is considering replacing Google with Microsoft's Bing as the default search engine on its devices. Amazon is under pressure from regulators and the Department of Justice over unsafe warehouse working conditions. Despite the company claiming injury, injury rates are down, the Labor Department tells CNBC Amazon's workers are hurt at a rate much higher than that of its e-commerce peers. We're also watching shares of Merck, the company agreeing to buy Prometheus Biosciences for $10.8 billion as it pushes into the lucrative market for immune disease treatments. The price represents just about a 75% premium from where Prometheus shares closed on Friday. That deal is scheduled to close in the third quarter of this year. We're also watching Lyft. Today, co-founder Logan Green will step aside as CEO and serve as chairman, while former Amazon executive David Risher takes that top job. And Elon Musk's SpaceX is preparing the first test flight of its Starship rocket today. The window opens up at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and it would mark the first flight for the craft that could one day bring humans back to the moon and to Mars. And Bloomberg is reporting uh, Apple's upcoming Worldwide Developers Conference may not only feature a new augmented reality headset, but a potential MacBook refresh and some new operating systems. And as Apple prepares to open its first retail store in India tomorrow, Bloomberg also reporting that sales there grew nearly 50 percent from a year ago, hitting almost $6 billion. All right, we're gearing up for a very busy trading day ahead and a very busy week ahead. And once again, it is all about earnings. A busy next couple of days with 12% of the S&P 500 and 20% of the Dow reporting. That includes the remaining big banks, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley. We also get names like Tesla, Netflix, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, United Airlines, CSX, and Procter & Gamble, just to name a few. As you can see, a very busy week. All right, as we get ready for all of that action, your next guest is finding optimism within the markets. He's seeing key technical signals suggesting a bull market is starting to take shape. Tom Lee, co-founder and head of research at Fundstrap Global Advisors, as well as a CNBC contributor. Tom, great to have you on. Great to see you, Frank. All right, Tom, as you know, 
Every morning, we ask Wall Street's brightest minds to share the word that they believe will describe the trading day ahead. Tom Lee, what is your WEX word of the day? Uh, the word of the day is better. All right, why? You got to explain that one. Just better? It's a, it's a little bit of a generic one, Tom. You got to give us an explanation for how it shapes the day. Well, I think earnings season is underway. And I think the message we're going to see from companies is that results are better than feared, economies better than feared. Uh, that's a contrast to last year when everything was slightly worse than feared, whether it was inflation or Fed's reaction. And that better than feared is the reason stocks are kind of levitating because. You've got a lot of bad news priced in. All right, Tom, you're a known optimist and known bull for the market. You believe that we have a bit of a bullish setup right now. But I got to ask you, where's this all coming from? We're seeing the S&P only up one percent this month and Nasdaq down almost a percent. What are the bullish signals that you're seeing? Uh, well, there's a couple things, you know, foremost, it's a seasonal positive because April is going to be probably one of the strongest months in 2023 based on what we call our rule of first five days. How the market performed the first five days uh, has been a good template this year because it said February will be flat, March will be better, and April should be stronger. But one thing that's sort of starting to take shape is that over the last 20 trading days, about 65% of the days have been up. That's the highest percentage since November 2021. So while markets have actually bottomed in October, it hasn't felt very good because, you know, in that period of time, the market's only averaged 45 percent of updates. But over the last 20, it's actually increased to 65. That's what you typically feel when you're in a rising trend. So I, I think over the next couple of months, it's going to start to feel like a bull market. Um, of course, we actually do need everything to be better than feared. But I'd say that the setup is quite good. All right. So the setup is good. So specifically today, where will we see signs of that bull market? I know you're bullish when it comes to materials and industrials. You believe that they're more attractive than healthcare is right now. But where will we see those potential bullish signs, especially today? Well, I think I think that's really where the leadership has been coming from in the last month or so, as the bull groups you just mentioned. But I, I think increasingly uh, where people are worried about either financial sector stability or capital spending uh, the two groups to watch really in the coming week are going to be financials and technology. I think technology kind of sold off because, uh, you know, we've we've had some curveballs like last Friday's UNICH confidence survey, which showed inflation picked up, or the fears the Fed might have to do more. But again, if, if banks find stability, and so far bank results have been better than feared, I think you could see leadership coming increasingly from not only those four groups, plus but from financials and technology. Okay, that's really interesting. And speaking of a curveball, we had Jenny Ellen come out over the weekend saying that the banking crisis may serve the same effect as hiking rates, so maybe we won't need those hikes. Obviously, she's not part of the Fed. She's the, secre- the Secretary of the Treasury. But what does that signal to you about what we might see today? Is that going to give the markets perhaps more confidence that a pause could be on the way? Uh, I mean, I think investors should interpret that as a pause coming because – I mean, largely, I, I agree with, with her observation. You know, financial conditions are tightening because regional banks and banks in general have been cautious, but now you have an additional sort of pressure on their cost of money, which is going to reduce lending. That is exactly what monetary policy is trying to achieve, is to slow the economy. So is the Fed doing hikes on, on its own? At this point, not. It's not because as, soon, you know, as it's doing its hikes, there's also this additional element of credit tightening. And that's probably why pause argument makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you, again, see the markets adding this month, uh, at least the S&P adding to its about 1% gain. 
today, where will we see signs of that? I'm going to ask you again. I mean, are you seeing any area today that we could see some signs of this bull market you're expecting? Well, you know, it's going to just come down to earnings season because that's really going to be the catalyst. And we, you know, we're only early in the early earnings season, only 32 of the 500 S&P companies have reported. So the next couple of weeks, Frank, is really going to be kind of company-specific earnings that are getting delivered. Last week was the banks, and now we start to get some of the larger industrials and some tech. Okay, you mentioned tech. We have some big tech earnings coming up this week, Netflix and Tesla. What are you expecting from them? Could they potentially be a catalyst for the NASDAQ to reverse this month? Uh, yes, that's always, uh, you know, that's kind of how earnings season played out three months ago. It's going to be, our, our company's going to surprise us on the demand side. I mean, I don't know if Tesla and Netflix necessarily singularly move the markets, but their individual performance is going to be important to watch because at the end of the day, uh, these are widely held names. So, you know, let's hope for the best. <laughs> You are always a glass half full person. Tom Lee from Fundstrat, great to have you on. Great to see you as always. Thank you. Yeah, great to see you. All right, one quick check of futures before we let you guys go. As we mentioned, the futures have been fractionally higher all morning. In the green, though, uh, we're actually seeing a bit of a reverse of that. The Nasdaq dipping very slightly into the red this morning. Again, something that we're going to continue to watch. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC.